You've played the missions. But do you really know the lore? We're here to be your guides. Your guardians. This is Guardians of Lore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, Guardians. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 176, recorded September 6th, 2023. The topic for this episode is the Purpose Lore Book, Part 1. I'm going to be your host this time. I am Elemist. Hi, I'm Orchid. Hey, Orchid. Hello, it's been forever. Yeah. Uh... Real life tends to get in the way. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, so, we got some podcast info. We encourage feedback that can be sent to us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore, at hey it's orchid, or at I underscore am underscore elemist. Email us at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. You can leave us a review wherever you find the podcast. Uh, you could also jump into our Discord. The invite is in the episode description, but if you want to type it out, it's discord.gg slash lorehub. Uh, we're also on Instagram and threads at Guardians of Lore, all in one word. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore. Every little bit helps, and we greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, Finger Guns. Yeah, thank you so much, Finger Guns. Couldn't do it without you. Oh, yeah, that's actually true. Because we need it so we can, you know, pay for the podcast. <laughs> We also couldn't do it without our subscribers, Valaragna, Linkman22, Doom, Firebired, and Unnamed Guardian, less than three. We know who you are. We do. We, we don't know where you live, though. That'd be weird. Yeah, we're, we're not stalkers like that. Well, Orchid's not a stalker like that. No, I have better things to do, like sleep. Yeah. Uh, we also like to thank you for the lovely gift, Manata. Yeah, thank you so much for the lovely gift. It is really appreciated. Thank you so much. And lastly, you can find our info on lordnetwork.com alongside many impressive lore content creators. We're still there. Yeah. Yeah, for now. I don't know why. For now. I don't know why. Like, <laughs> we're still there, though. So uh, this week at Guardians of Lore, the Twoggle. It's it's been a while, so uh, some of this is old news, but we had the final shape reveal. It looks good. It does. I like the idea of like how inside the Travussy it like changes based on us being there and like we're affecting it, and the um and the same with the witness. The witness is affecting it too. Yeah, so like they're affecting it, but we're affecting it. And someone posted a screenshot the other day and they're like, Fenchurch has definitely been here because Eververse is here. And I'm like, like <laughs> <laughs> bet. <laughs> like definitive proof he's been in the Travosi. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, because, of course, the first thing that you'd see there is fucking Eververse. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
so what's got my mind going is the fact that like the the new location is going to be called the pale heart we don't know specifically what it is like it it could be just a pocket universe inside the traveler or it it could be that you know it's actually teleporting us to a different dimension or something like it's there's a, a small number of of ideas that they could go with and i'm i'm wondering what they're actually going to do like for a long time people thought um the trevisi was just like a wormhole right and i'm still kind of like on that thing cuz i don't think they actually like just cut a hole in it but maybe they did we won't know until we go inside but we won't go inside until february whatever that day is so i think it was february 22nd is it okay i cool. i, I 222 i'm probably wrong it's 222 or 229 i don't know 220 or 227th the 27th february 27th cool i was off by a couple days yeah happens to everybody well and i i remembered the witch queen which was 222 2022 oh yeah they do love those numbers that all like match up like that right yeah 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 right but yeah and they also did a small preview of um what seasons are going to now become which are episodes how are you feeling about those uh they're just like seasons but they're just calling it something else and it, it feels like it's going to be more drawn out because there's fewer of them. It's honestly, it's be like the same seasonal teams are working on them. And it's just to give them a little bit more time to work on them because more people have been like pulled off of those teams to go work on Marathon. Yeah. Because Destiny is now over. So they're like, okay, now less people can work on it. But anyway, we can keep going. Um... New season. It's been like three weeks now because we've not recorded anything. Uh, we've had personal things going on. Um, so it's not really new at this point. It's like lukewarm season now. It's not new anymore. <laughs> the newness has worn off. So there's two activities. Savathun has a tower or something. Her spire is forming. Oh, yeah, it is. Ooh, woo. Savathun's <laughs> <Ugh. laughs> mommy spires forming. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, there's there's Savathun's spire, which essentially is a strike. And we have um, another. The altars of summoning. Uh, It's like altars of sorrow. It, well, no, like it, it's essentially Port of Oryx. Uh. Like it's it's almost it's almost identical. It's almost drag and drop Court of Oryx. I was not a fan of Court of Oryx. Well, like so so you collect these these three currencies that you take to the different locations in the altars and you offer one of those tributes like you offer one of those currencies to start up that specific difficulty. So, like, if you use the the lowest ranked one, it's going to be the easiest activity. But if you use the rarest one, it's going to be the hardest version of that activity. 
Like everybody does the hardest and then everyone's dead. Yep. For the whole thing. And yep. it's so frustrating because I'm like, guys, 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 hey, 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 how about we don't do that? Because this isn't a deep dive where you can get away with that bullshit because there's no cover in this. Zero cover. And everything is going to kill you. Like this, like this Kirkland brand Yu-Gi-Oh that we're doing right now. <laughs> that Because that's what this is. Oh. It's fucking like JoJo's fucking like Walmart JoJo's. I hate how accurate that is. Yeah. This Walmart JoJo's um, fucking Magic the Gathering trash uh, is not good. I hate card games. And that's 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 fine. That's your thing. This season's not for me. Right. Like, I enjoy card games, but I mean, this doesn't feel like a card game. If actually it, it feels more like a variation on the don't say the nightfall card no 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 no. because that was a work of art uh it feels like more of an upgrade on the um like the war table perk upgrades how because from all i've seen is that every single card that you collect you have to do you have to do homework for every single card so i have to go do a grocery list of stuff for every single card like they're making me play the game more in stuff I don't want to do. And then the card may or may not be available for the activity that I am now running with people who are making it hard and then can't finish it because they're not good enough to play it. You see my problem here? I, I do. And see, I I get a lot of those done in Patrol or Seventh Inspire. <laughs> I, I see for myself, I'm not touching Altars of Summoning unless I go in with a pre-made fire team. I'm just not doing it at all unless I have to. It is so bad for my seizures. This season is trying to murder me. Yeah. Because everything is arc right now. And that's that's rough. It's all flashing arc and terrible. That's rough. Yeah. But Eris is a hive mommy now. It's like insert tithes for hives. <laughs> God. Someone took a picture of her feet and sent it to me in a DM. And they're like, ooh, woo. And I'm like, who is this? Oh, whoa. <laughs> God damn it. I sent you those. <laughs> Elvis, you are not the only one. <laughs> Like, I took a screenshot of that, and I'm like, somebody's going to enjoy this. Send. Uh, you weren't the only one. <laughs> Why do I have that reputation? Anyway, Sovereign Inspire is really fun. I'm enjoying it. Like I said, I like it, it. it feels like I a strike to me. Oh, you know they're going to turn it into a Grandmaster Nightfall yep. real quick. Yep. And it's going to be the worst one. It's yep. going to suck so bad. <laughs> the first time I did it, I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be a grandmaster and there's going to be champions everywhere. And I'm going to die in the first room 87 times. <laughs> right. <laughs> so many ads. Right. Oh. And they just constantly keep spawning like. Yeah. Bringing the difficulty back to destiny. 
fun. Just because some asshole is loud and says it's not difficult doesn't mean you need to listen to that asshole. Yeah. So, um, now it's time for something a little controversial. Oh, duh. So they've implemented a new west line for new lights that walk them through like three specific missions one from each of the three expansions that led up to where we're at now we should also say that they've added in like a couple of cutscenes from like I think Red War and some other stuff, but like so very vague that you watch them and you're like, wait, what the fuck happened? Yeah. Because like it's great that they added it and they added it into the timeline, like where it should have been originally. But what we assumed they were going to do was add in the cutscenes from every season like it should be. Or at least a link to, you know, YouTube so you can watch all the right, cutscenes. Because they've been uploading those on YouTube. Right. And instead it's some like horrible Ikora like over the cutscene, like explaining stuff, but explaining it so vaguely, you're like, the fuck is this? And and like it's nothing against the voice actress for for Ikora. Like, I love her so much in Genshin Impact. She does an amazing job in this. Oh, she's so good. The issue that I specifically have, and, and like, it, it's not even an issue with the Beyond Light mission or or the um, the Witch Queen mission. Like, those are all right. Mm-hmm. The one that I have the issue with is the Forsaken mission. <sighs> Me too. The whole point of that mission... And, and this is how my mind looked at that first mission, okay? Curse of Osiris was our adventure with Ikora. Warmind was our adventure with Zavala. And when we went to the, you know, the Prison of Elders, Cade was like, you both got adventures with the Guardian. It's my turn. So, like, the first portion of that that original mission was us fighting alongside him fighting alongside kate we got to see all his charm we got to see his goofiness they cut that from the mission when it actually came time for aldrin to shoot kate we heard the actual like gunshot because it happens off screen but we they cut the portion where you know, our guardian, the guardian happens upon Cade and watches his light just diminish. Right. And then they also cut the fact that, you know, our guardian spoke the first words in like four years. Since D2 started, I think. Right. We hadn't spoken since D1. We hadn't spoken since the Black Heart. Oh, my God. Since vanilla D1. Uh, so that had been like very that the beginning beginning. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. So it had been four years and like our guardian spoke up specifically because we were pissed. We wanted vengeance. We were out for blood and they cut that. So like the forsaken mission that they have feels 
nothing like the original mission because it's missing the heart of it. That's my issue with it. I agree. Yeah, I agree with you. I see these timeline missions as being a step in the right direction, but they they missed the step. I mean, they missed a really big step if they're cutting out the most emotionally important part of like holding Cade's dead body or his dying body as he like emotionally dies in your arms. This person that you've known for so many years. And and see, okay, so so we have issues with the actual mission itself. How how would you have actually implemented the mission? Like if you had creative license to do it, <sighs> how how would you have have done it? Um I am assuming they didn't have the cutscenes in there because they had a problem with putting your guardian into the cutscenes. So, oh, that's why they did it this way. That's why they did it this way. You had to go in. That's why they did it. Okay, I see now. I don't like it, but I see now. They were limited on where you could go in that mission because those are all the places that are in the strike and everything else that was in that mission that you went into is not in the strike. So those aren't assets in the game anymore. They've been sunset. Okay. But everything else that was in that is still in the game because of the strike. I understand it. I, I understand like it, it and I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. I hate it. I actually really hate it. I would have taken the time and put it back into the game. But if I had my way, I would have never sunset forsaken because I think that was fucking stupid. Forsaken was probably one of the best stories that you had. And especially since you've made Crow such an integral part of the game now, because you've like double tripled down on him. And then you deleted his entire origin story because what you needed extra hard drive space because you're like besties. We need to change the way the lighting looks. So let's just let's delete Forsaken. What? Especially when you stop and consider that size wise, we're almost back to where we were before. Yeah, I'm going to take us back to the original question. So if. I were in charge of of doing that mission. Mm-hmm. I would have probably done some like montage for Cade opening the mission, left the mission exactly the way it was in Forsaken. Mm-hmm. You know, and then have Ikora showing or or talking over the original cutscene of you know our guardian getting pissed and her giving us the okay. I would have the Cade part at the end or at the beginning. I agree and have the original mission the way it is supposed to be. I would have, if they're limited by a guardian, I would have a couple different cutscenes for like a class. So yeah. a Titan or a warlock or a hunter, just like in the basic armor and have the cutscene because you can't have talking over when she calls Avala a coward. Like cowardice is like so important. That is true. 
like you cannot interrupt that that is so important because like zavala gets called out but he's like you can't do this like this is insane and she's like no you're being a fucking coward like we're gonna go do this and then you're caught in the middle you're like um okay well why am i here like i just brought you the body this is yeah i'm gonna go (laughs) mom and dad are fighting i'm witnessing it i'll take care of this bye (laughs) right (laughs) yeah so the reason i i specifically said you know what i did is because if we have a montage at the beginning new lights like people who have net are just now picking up destiny they can get a feel for Cade. they can get a sense that you know oh he's kind of goofy but you know he can be serious or you know something I'd have him like doing his speech, have him be like, get your rock off my map, like right. have him with his, right. like have him with the colonel and talking to Amanda. Right. Have and, some like, iconic breaking scenes. Into, breaking into Oryx's ship and like. Right. Have some know, iconic scenes of him or, or, you know, just talking or, you know, doing something. in the Red War when you find him on Nessus. <laughs> That's so good. I don't have time to explain what I don't have time to understand. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. But no, so like that way new lights get a feel for the character. And then opening the mission, they get to fight alongside him and they're like, okay, this guy's kind of cool. I like him. They see the cutscene of him fighting the scorn and they're like, oh, oh shit. Okay. And, and like they just saw how, strong he was in the actual mission even though you know it was actually scripted but like it's they get to see how strong the character is you know taking out enemies with single shots and that kind of thing and then you get to the actual killing shot imagine if if you just started liking this character and you're like oh that this guy's cool i hope he's around and then you just witness his murder like the fact that she says in the very opening, like that we lost Cade, like fuck you for like breaking the whole immersion of like, like at least let them live through it and have the emotion that we had when we played it. Right. And, and that's, that's exactly it. It's, it's about the emotion. Like that mission is, is full of emotion and they cut that. I mean, I get that they, gave us the information for it, but they cut out all the emotion in the heart of it. And that's like my biggest problem. Things like this just feel like such a disservice. And like, I understand why they did what they did thinking about, like honestly sitting here and thinking about it being like, yeah, because of this strike, they only had these areas and that's why they had to cut it the way they did. And I, I understand that as well. It still sucks. I get that now. But like the emotion of not having those cutscenes in there, which they could have done with a basic guardian. You and I have been around for ages. Yeah. We've gotten that that feel for Cade. And when we get to see him in the final shape, like <laughs> we're going to be in tears. We're going to understand the weight of him coming back. Even if it's just as a a vendor for the new location or whatever, new lights going through that quest line aren't going to feel that. So they're going to lose the impact of 
why he's there, why it's important that he's there. So ultimately, I, I feel like it was just a misstep. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. Yeah. It really, we spent so much time with them that like the loss is still, I still get upset. Like the loss is still there. Sounds like you're tearing up a little bit now. Shut up. No, I'm not. <laughs> You're not my mom. <laughs> it still like makes me sad. Like, oh, absolutely. There's like just a few things in like video games that honestly really upset me, and that's one yeah. of them. No, me too. That you can just like love it like so deep. It, me too. So so yeah, we've we've beaten this dead exo through and through. Yep. Yep. I'm going to go beat Aldrin into a pulp, <laughs> fucking pulled pork piece of shit back on that bandwagon. <laughs> uh, Lord Network Cat. Yeah. Okay. Fine pulled pork. But you're Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord Network. Have you ever wished that someone could just read you the lore? Destiny Lore Audiophile may be just the podcast you've been looking for. Join us as we bring the stories of Destiny to life with straight readings of your favorite lore with no analysis or commentary, or as we breathe life into these tales with acting, sound effects, and music. Currently, you can find Destiny Lore Audiophile on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes at Destiny Lore Audiophile. Audiophile is spelled with a PH instead of an F. You can find both readings and radio dramatizations of selected lore books and web lores by talented voice actors from the Destiny community. Episode releases will be announced from our Twitter pages at Hey It's Orchid and at Rendell Zivas. So be sure to follow and subscribe so you don't miss a single performance. See you there. So how is that ad? Pulled pork's dead. Well, yeah, because I got hungry. No, it's Clint now. <laughs> so it's fine. All right. Uh, so brief intro to the topic. Uh, this was the seasonal lore book for... Uh, season of the Deep. You can acquire each entry by playing the seasonal story quest every week or, you know, just binge it all at the end. We're not your parents. Do it however you'd like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not your mom. And I mean, I'm podcast dad, but that's beside the point. I actually wrote that in the notes. <laughs> what, that I'm podcast dad? No. You can play it however you want. Like, honestly... Some people like wait until the very end to just do the whole story at once because they've made it like so accessible to play the story now that you have to do like the bare minimum to do it. And like that might be the play because then you get like the whole story unfolding before you for like a four hour gaming session. Well, and I, I know that that's actually what I do with my secondary and third characters. So how is that experience versus like doing it every week on your main character? It's it's very much like binging a Netflix TV show. Like you don't have to actually wait. You can just jump right in, knock them all out and get the 
full story. That's really cool. The only the the only potential issue is when we have lore books like what we are going to read, because then like all the weeks stories blur together. So then it's like, all right, where does each entry actually go? Right. That makes sense. All right. Well, I'm going to read this first one. Sounds good. And then we'll figure out where it goes, which it goes with week one. Spoiler alert. But, you know, this is called debriefing. Slowed. Commander Zavala's voice sounds distorted, as if he were underwater. The chill running down Sloane's spine only adds to the sensation. She knows she had been gone for a while. For how long, she isn't sure. Sheokan's internal chronometer had glitched out shortly after Titan disappeared and took them with it. Sloane had been left to measure the passage of time by feeling it in her bones, the universe moved on without her. That was to be expected. But Sloane still can't believe Zavala's debriefing. The words crash into her like one tidal wave after another, threatening to knock her off balance and fill her lungs with brine. Stasis. Tidal. The House of Light. Savathun. The Lucent Brood. Niamuna? Amanda? Sloane's thoughts drift back to the wake of the Red War. Call signs and banter as Holiday's hawk flew overhead. Small talk between sorties. Quiet moments and shared laughter between the staccato of gunfire and roar of jet engines. A friendship chiseled into marble, one stroke at a time. Amanda was always fearless, the first to stand up, the last to go home. Why did she always have to be such a damn hero? Sloane, Zavala says again. She realizes she's been clenching her fists. She might have been shaking. Sloane's eyes focus once more, meeting those of her commanding officer. He looks different than she remembers. His eyes seem older, wiser, and filled with something that catches her off guard. Is that pity? Can he see it? That pit growing in her stomach, this yawning chasm that yearns to swallow her whole. Is he questioning her resolve? Her ability to see this through, to do her duty back on the front line so others don't have to? Does he see your weakness? Sloane clenches her fist again. Sir, she replies. Her voice holds steady. Understood, sir. Zavala's brow furrows. It's a lot to take in. If you need to, I don't. A moment of silence passes. Sloane does not let him see anything. Zavala nods. Very well, he says. Dismissed. Sloane salutes and returns to her station. She would be the first to stand up. 
and the last to go home. So this is Sloan is actually seeing the weight of everything that Zavala has had to deal with in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, it it's a lot. I mean, the way she lists it out like that, like sits beyond light. That's a lot, right? Stasis, right? Stasis, Keitel, the House of Light, which was you know the the endless night stuff. Well, not just that. That's like. Now we're friends with the fallen. Right. We weren't friends with them before, but now we are. <laughs> and then there was the whole, you know, Savathun and the Lucent Brood that, you know, the hive getting the light. And well, it's not just like Savathun. It's like, oh, yeah, Osiris was taken over by Savathun for like a full goddamn year. Right. Uh, she was wearing his skin like a suit. And then he was in a coma. But now he's awake again, and Sagira's dead. And oh yeah, he and Saint-14 are back together because he had broken time, <laughs> but you probably remember that because you were around for that part. I think you remember that. But like That was the absolute st- best season ever. Stuff is crazy. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> he went and found the Tree of Silver Wing seeds. He didn't tell Saint that he was going to go do that. <laughs> We're still mad about that. <laughs> I'm never going to get that up. <laughs> <laughs> now, now the, the one that I, I specifically want to look, you know, focus on, the Lucent Brood. Yeah. That revelation shook Zavala to the, his core. Yeah, Zavala was super upset about that because he's like, the Traveler turned their back on us. Like, how dare... How dare the Traveler give them the light? And I'm like, the Traveler does not give a shit about you, dude. Like, you're not worshiping it. Like, it's not your god. It's a ball in the sky. Well, no, like, it it was. I know, but, like, it literally isn't, though. Like, he thinks it's a god. He worships it. And and that's the thing. Like, Zavala viewed the Traveler as, you know, the the one deity. You know, it's the source of his light. You know, the source I of his abilities. So, like, to him, the Traveler is infallible. And then, all of a sudden, our worst enemies have access to our, like Icor says, you know, our most precious resource. I mean, is it like Jesus coming back and being like, oh, yeah, the Bible, I wrote that in a weekend. It's fan fiction. Do you have chicken McNuggets? I'm just going to hang out with you. I I think it's more akin to Jesus being resurrected in the South and saying, oh, I'm gay. I mean, obviously, he had 12 male friends following him around, and he was fabulous. (laughs) He turned everything. They were drunk all the time. All he did was turn water into wine. Come on. Well, and, and even then, he had 12 guys just following him around, praising him for everything he did. How did an adult have 12 friends? Look, I'm trying to figure out how to have more than just three. Right? Right? God, I don't know how he did it. It's probably because he wasn't playing Destiny all the time. Anyway, back to this. Shit. Okay. Um, But anyway. I like in here... That she talks about Amanda was always fearless, the first to stand up, the last to go home. And at the very end, she says 
that she would be the first to stand up and the last to go home. Right. Because Amanda's gone. So someone has to like take up that mantle that Amanda, now that she's not there, that they lost. So it's like, she's doing it for Amanda. I like that too. Yeah. Like I, I have certain feelings about Amanda's death, but how it was useless and she shouldn't have been there. And they have like a billion guardians that are, you know, immortal. Yeah. Like we literally could have done it because we're immortal. <laughs> like we could have done it and been all right. Yeah. Seriously, Amanda, why were you even there? Why did any human do any of those? <laughs> but why did any non-guardian that wasn't immortal do any of those missions? I don't understand. There are so many guardians. Like, but, so many guardians. But the fact is, like, <laughs> even with how we feel about Amanda's sacrifice, I like seeing Sloane, like, respond to that aftermath. Yeah. Like, her her emotions and her feelings about it are good to see. Yeah. I'm glad that she thinks Amanda went out like a hero and not like me that thinks Amanda went out like a bitch. <laughs> she has like such good memories of Amanda she here. Does. Like small talk, quiet moments and shared laughter. Like and the friendship chiseled into marble is one of those like forever things. Yeah. And so it's just it's so nice that it's like, yeah, this is a forever friendship and it took a really long time to make. And it's just, it's really nice. And, and yeah, like this, this entry, it feels like Sloan is the, the vehicle for seeing how Zavala is, is reacting to everything that's gone on and to kind of memorialize Amanda. Yeah. Um, but then we also, and this is probably going to be the last comment that I make. Um, we also get a line in here, you know, does he see your weakness? That's, right. that's the first rumblings of Zivu in Sloane's mind, or at least that, that we're privy to. Timeline-wise, there might have been others, especially with the, um, the armor lore tabs, but these would have been the first ones that, like, we were around to somewhat witness. Yeah, I really like this. I like their interaction together. Just the whole thing. This is a really nice moment. It is. Like, and you can tell even with like the little ways Zavala looks at her, like Zavala's brow furrowing and the silence that he has that he's like considering, like, should he say something? Should he not say something? Like, it really is a good moment of like show, not tell. Absolutely. I really like that a lot. This is just really well written. I really like it. I like it because it's not purple prose and it's real good. <laughs> uh, and actually, so in week one of the season, um, Sloan came back. Titan came back. We got we got to hear like Zivu talking. We got to see Saint be pissed. And then we we also got um, the actual activities, the salvages and the deep dives. So that's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to make sure that we, we captured what like some of the major things that went on. Yeah. 
I mean, she did mention, and we we did go over it when we did the lore book. I guess it wasn't really a lore book. It was on her, the armor, I think. Mm-hmm. When she talked about um, Shehan's internal chronometer, and she left to measure the passage of time by feeling it in her bones, and remembering doing all that lore it's been like a month and a half now since we've done it but like remembering that and like the trauma she went through of just having her like ghost with her little knives (laughs) her like little sassy ass ghost like they went through so much shit down there like i cannot believe like jesus (laughs) yeah yeah they did and Shia Khan's, like, full-on sass and everything were just phenomenal. Yeah, it was really good. Anyway, yeah. Okay, I'm done. Read the next one. Sorry. <laughs> You're good. And this next one is two. Theory. Ikora pinches a thick, vibrant strand thread from the air and twists it between her fingers with ease. It plies to her influence, but smooths the motions of her hands papering her movements to flow in cleaner lines. The veil tones in rhythm, with the plucks of tension rolling across her knuckles. She focuses on the subtle irregularities in each pulse, the patterns they form. There are a small few plucked reverberations that resonate out beyond the walls of this chamber, beyond the detection of her intuition and out into the cosmos. Those capture her interest most. Behind her, an animated avatar escorts Osiris into the Veil's containment chamber. They gesture him toward Ikora and bid farewell. Osiris watches the ripples play out before him and across the fabric of reality. As a wave, then particles, then a wave again. He feels it brush over him. He steps with the cadence of each pulse sent rippling from Ikora's plucking knuckles, basking in Strand's energizing rhythm, feeling whole again. It's stronger. Bell's signature. Ikora's voice carries a hint of learned suspicion. Ever since we recovered Titan, That is to be expected, Osiris retorts, now within the weave of droning strand surrounding the veil. The room around them trembles. When Titan was torn back, the veil took notice. It seemed to recognize Titan's arrival. Ikora tightens her grip on the strand thread. We have the veil our ghosts. What are we missing? If we decipher the connection between Titan and the Veil, that connection might be what we need to follow the witness. What of the worm? Osiris asks skeptically. Sloane believes she is our best chance. You taught me the value of a backup plan. Ikora gives him a stern look. Titan Savathun's throne world, every place we've found Egregore. I haven't found the exact threads yet, but pull one 
and they all seem to spin back to Neomuna, to the veil. You're getting ahead of yourself, following some of my less favorable tendencies. Nimbus says we must flow to understand Strand. Perhaps it is the same with the veil. Osiris moves beside Ikora and reaches up, palm parallel to the threads drawn taut from Ikora's braid of Strand. Soul remembered Titan in a way. The veil's signal spiked when Titan returned from memory to reality, when the rhythm of the solar system had been restored to order. Osiris drops his hand and looks to Ikora. Perhaps we must simply find that rhythm before we are able to interpret the beats within it. And once we do, then we should be able to reverse that process. She replies. Ikora releases the thread and tracks the rippling points of connection that travel outward along the fabric-like strands of existence to the walls of the containment enclosure. We're too late in the game for something to mean nothing. It has to connect. Ikora sighs, then turns to Osiris. Your flair for educating others is returning, though I bet some would say you never lost it. She smiles. Osiris smirks. Come, walk with me. We will discuss this unifying theory of yours. I really like this entry because it talks a lot about Strand, and I think that is really neat. That and the veil, which we don't really get in the game. Right. And the fact that we have to like get it in lore entries sucks. <laughs> Even in Veil Containment, like... Especially this season. Oh my god, Veil Containment this season is the worst. It's like one entry and it's like, I have to do this data for three months. Come back at the beginning of next season. Bye. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> what was the point? Yep, right. Except like all of Chioma Essie's like voice lines are so sad. <laughs> she makes me want to cry yeah that's ikora's voice actor i didn't know that actually same lady they are so well done but so sad so good like so good so what are your thoughts about this uh the first thought that i had immediately was the fact that ikora is playing around with strand yeah she never played around with stasis no and and neither did Zavala. No, but Strand is different, question mark? Well, and, and she's doing it on Neomuna, too. I wonder if she just couldn't play around with Stasis because you had to, like, you had to go through the process of getting it, and it was a pain in the ass. But Strand is, like, everywhere, and you just have to kind of go with the flow and get it. And I mean, I, I can't blame Ikora for not getting stasis because those quests were a bitch. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> I haven't finished them on all three characters because I don't want to. Uh -uh. If there was like a spend a thousand silver on unlocking stasis, 
I would do that immediately. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, I'll pay that. I think now I it's to do that. I think now it's all unlocked at um, Elsie. Oh, my God. I think Please. I'm not 100 percent sure. Like, I remember them talking about something like that. Hey there, guys. Editing Rendell here. I just checked for myself and this is confirmed. Mostly because I just got stasis completed on all of my characters. And it only cost me all the glimmer I had. Anyway, um, so yeah, like this, she's not full on using Strand, but she's playing around with it. Like getting a feel for it. And she's on Neomuna. We right. hadn't seen anybody except Osiris and Keitel show up on Neomuna. So that was interesting to me. I have to assume that like more people have gotten to Neomuna besides like Osiris and Keitel. I think Heidel only going because her father was on Neomuna, wreaking havoc on everything. I assume so. But, like, none that we were privy to. Right. Right. So, it's 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 cool seeing, you know, one of the Vanguard go to Neomuna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice seeing her outside of the tower. Yeah. Yeah. Because she never does anything. I mean, she went to Mars in her little, like, hidey hole, her cornfield. Yeah. So, do you have um, any other thoughts about this? There's a lot of Veil talk in here. There is. Yeah. Ikora's talking about how, like, everything is connected. Osiris is like, don't jump to conclusions. You know, don't make these connections that might not be there. Right. And Ikora's like, we're in the end game now. Like, everything is connected. And I don't know. It really is kind of like everything is connected, huh? Yeah. I mean, they did talk about in one lore entry, I think it was probably the last Veil containment we did, how they were like, the unifying theory that the light and the dark used to be like one power and it wasn't like the veil and the traveler were one thing. Yep. And like the light and the dark like weren't different. And I'm like, duh. Fucking duh. That was actually the veil containment from this season. Yeah, that was this season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I finally remembered it sitting here thinking about it. I mean, hell, Hyven and I, like way back in the early episodes, we were talking about how the light and dark are, you know, two sides of the same coin. Right. I mean, we did that in um, Prophecy Dungeon. Yep. That was like the entire point of it. Yeah. That light isn't good. Dark isn't bad. They're just tools. Right. And beyond light, further that. Mm-hmm. And, and the same with Lightfall with, with you know, Strand. Yep. So, yeah. I, I don't have any further thoughts or anything yet. Okay. I really like this one just because I like um, Ikora being here and she's so full of knowledge and she has so much to offer. And I feel like she's so underutilized. Absolutely. In this game. And like lately, at least they've been utilizing her more. And I don't know if it's because her voice actress was just like too expensive. Gina Torres is very expensive yeah well she's just like so talented she is and in so many things and so busy 
and I'm I'm currently watching Suits, and I'm I'm loving her in it. Yeah, and just so she's just amazing, right? She's so oh, yeah. good, and like Rip, that she's not in this like anymore. But the new voice actress and her name like escapes me really briefly. But she's so good, and she does multiple voices for different characters. Like she does like Chiomasi, and she's so emotive. And now Ikora. She does an amazing job. Yeah. And so Ikora like offers so much again. And I'm really glad that they're using her character more because she just like didn't do anything for so long. And it was like such a waste. Like Zavala had to do so much heavy lifting. Not that I like disliked that. I really like Zavala as a character, but it just felt so on his shoulders. And like from a story perspective, it was like, wow, like. I get that you have to do everything on your own, but like you're really doing everything on your own. <laughs> like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> like, I hate that for you. I'm really sorry. Yeah, like I'm, I'm trying to think of like what what Ikora was used for before the the voice actress changed. Does that change happen in Splicer? Yeah. Did it? I, I thought it did. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was good though. Cause I really like it. Cause the only things before that, that Ikora was featured in was season of undying mm-hmm. when she was making that vex gate right off the side of the tower. Oh my God. Don't remind me that she just like <laughs> boots it off the side. Like it, it just was never there the next day. It took her all fucking season to make it. And then the next day it's just gone. Oh yeah. They just unbolted it and let it fall. Um, I mean, it's down there with all the Titan bodies and the Thanatonauts that just like eat themselves off the tower all the time. So it's fine. Um, but there was Season of Undying and then Curse of Osiris. Right. And and she had a little bit of, of voices, you know, work in um, Forsaken. Yeah. But I'm glad that she's doing more. And yeah, I think I like agree. this is really in her wheelhouse. Like she and Osiris, like working together, like mentor and assistant, or um, I was gonna say like master and Padawan because I've been watching a lot of Ahsoka, but like <laughs> no, that's not the wrong uh, thing. This isn't Star Wars. This is uh, this is this is Destiny. So yeah. Ahsoka is so good. If you're not watching that show, oh my god, I have so much to talk about. Someone DM me and talk about Ahsoka with me. Holy shit. <laughs> I really should just call it like Rebels Season 5. Like it's just Rebels Season 5. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna read this next one. Sounds good. Okay. This is called Legacy. A soft, simulated whimper echoes through the workshop as Archie rests his head on Anna's shoulder. They sit together in front of the harness holding up Rasputin's erstwhile exo-frame, a lifeless effigy of cables and steel. I know, buddy, Anna says quietly. I miss him too. After Rasputin's sacrifice, Anna had arranged for the exo-frame to be transferred from the helm to her workspace in the tower. At the time, she had told herself that keeping the frame in storage would have been a waste, that its technological advancements could prove useful to other Exos in the future. Honestly, though, she simply wasn't ready to let go. Nevertheless, 
she signed herself up for a new task. And what better way to cope with grief than by staying busy? So she made good on her word, tinkering with the frame to reverse engineer its more convoluted components. That was until she heard that Titan, like Mars before it, had suddenly reappeared and slown along with it. A warrior in need of a war, a weapon in search of a target, not unlike the war mind. The thought kept Anna from fully burying herself in her work. For now, she wraps her arm around Archie as her thoughts drift to all the detritus left in Rasputin's wake. Rasputin had assembled an arsenal of unfathomable scale. Remnants from thousands of warsats strewn across the solar system. Prototype weaponry never to be completed. Stratagems and simulations forever forgotten. And yet, sitting here in the shadow of his sacrifice, Anna finds that she wants to remember him by the one thing not built for war. A canine AI created for no other purpose than companionship. One that has made a home for himself in the tower, greeting everyone he meets on his daily walks. In the end, Rasputin's legacy was not the war he raged, but the lives he sought to protect. The notion brings a smile to Anna's lips. It's what distinguished him from Zivu Arath. And Anna hopes that Sloan can realize the same holds true for her. Anna looks to the exo-frame one last time before rising to her feet and pats the dog on his head. He happily wags his tail in response. Come on, Archie, she says as she reaches for her comms unit. Let's go for a walk. Oh, I love this so much. Like the, the, the thing that really tore at my heart. Yeah. Was that that second paragraph. I know, buddy. Anna says quietly. I miss him too. I know. <laughs> like, oh, I miss him too. He was so good. I loved Rasputin. They did such like, a good job with Rasputin in Season of the Seraph. Oh my God. That entire season was so good. It was so well done. It was so good. I loved like the Seraph mission was so good. The entire season was good. The music boxes were so good. Like everything was so good. I loved it so much. It was amazing. But mainly, I like having Archie in the tower so I can pet him whenever I want to. Likewise. And this is like really super great that they put like a linking thing in the lore about how Archie is now in the tower. <laughs> but it, yeah, I, it's I like that. Yeah. But have you noticed that these lore entries really aren't Sloan? They're kind of everyone else talking about Sloan. Yeah, I like it. It's different. Well, and, and it, it also doesn't help that in weeks two, three, and four of the season, not a lot happened. Dude, the, nothing happens in seasons anymore. It's just like, go to place, shoot thing, come back, get radio message. Well, and, and even then, like, stuff happens in week one, stuff happens somewhere midway through the season, and then stuff happens at the end. 
Well, yeah, you got to get your cutscene somewhere. Yeah. We just happened to get our cutscene this season early because they're like, what is sword logic? So you could like do the Crota like. Yeah. Um, thing. But yeah. Raid. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, um, I love this. This is sweet and really is a change from hardcore sciencey strand philosophy that we got in the last one. Yep. And kind of like the shock of losing so much time in the one before and like finding out that your like best friend is dead, which is really hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's rough as fuck. It's rough, like coming to a place and then finding out your friend is dead and just like being told that. And then like suddenly they're not there, but everything there reminds you of them. Yeah. And you just kind of have to deal with it and like still go about your day. And you're like, this is cool. <laughs> well, shit. <laughs> yeah. It sucks. The one thing I want to point out, a canine AI created for no other purpose than companionship. Yeah. So he's not a dog exo. I'm really glad about that because the penguin exo, the penguin exos still freak me out. Yeah, me too. Because you know they're penguins. You know he did. He was experimenting. You know they're not like penguin AIs. You know they're straight up penguins. So I'm glad this isn't like a dog, like exo. I'm glad this is a canine AI because that would have fucked me up. Like so that's good. Still thinking of those penguins really fucks with me. For anybody who uh, doesn't remember what we're talking about, um, in Beyond Light, there were a bunch of collectible penguin toys that we had to find on Europa. The fan theory is that Glovis Bray needed to experiment on the ExoMine project without using people at that point. So he used penguins. And what better way to get rid of the evidence than to hand over the toy to some children? Because let's be real, what Clovis having toys for, for children, like that's very out of character. Like Clovis caring for anybody other than himself is very out of character. So yeah, uh, should I continue? At least this isn't like a full metal alchemist brotherhood situation. Oh God. Yeah. I'm really glad this is a canine AI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That point when uh, a girl and her dog are inseparable. What the dog doing? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's all we have. So there are six entries, and they're all kind of long. <laughs> so I think we're going to do three in this episode, and then three in the next episode. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, because the next ones like the, the next ones are, are long. They are they are so long. Yep. Anyway. So Yeah. Uh Orchid shout outs. Huh? Uh shout out to Oh, we got new people watching F1 with us. I'm gonna shout out the new F1 people. Because we've just keep acquiring more people watching F1 with us. 
so we're converting more people. F1 is super fun. It's like my favorite thing in the world. You say that like you're collecting Pokemon cards or something. Like you're just I am, but they're humans. <laughs> Don't make it sound like I'm collecting them in my basement. I'm just collecting them at five in the morning to like watch cars go fast. I'm watching millionaires drive cars at 250 kilometers an hour. Okay. <laughs> it's fun. I like it. It's good. It's good. I mean, yeah. And they're all handsome. Mm -hmm. It's very fun. Yeah. So shout out to all the new people who've been uh, watching F1 with us because it is my favorite hobby and I'm glad I get to share it with all of you. I could talk about F1 all day. It is like the one thing like my mom asks me how Max Verstappen is doing. She's like, how's Maxie doing? <laughs> I looked up how his race went and I'm like, oh, my God, let me tell you everything. <laughs> She's like, I saw he won. Like, how is the race? <laughs> it just like it spirals out of control from there because she'll just ask me that. And then I have like a half an hour commute or something. And then I could the entire drive is me telling her like how a race went. It's like a race in 30. You can watch these on F1 TV. There's like a 30. They cut like the hour and a half race down to 30 minutes. So you only get the action and like none of the bullshit. OK. And. They're pretty great if you don't want to watch the whole race. So you just have to like wait a day and then you can like watch just the 30 minute race. So you don't have to wake up at five in the morning. And so it's like me just giving like the 30 minute like blow by blow of their it's. Yeah. So she gets that. She gets that on the drive home. She's like, <laughs> I don't understand, but I'm really glad that you're happy. <laughs> but she always asks she's like they're definitely your boys and she just asks about like lando and carlos and like Charles, and she just asks about them by name and not like about like by team <laughs> my mom's wild anyway what about you shout outs <laughs> i i mean nothing as grand as that um uh. <laughs> i'm gonna shout out a new clanmate of mine. <gasps> Hello, new clanmate. Who is a listener. Oh, my God. So, like. Hello. He's going to freak out when he gets to this episode. Hello from the future to the past. His, his gamer tag is DemonHunter408. Is he actually hunting demons? I mean, he's playing Destiny, so space demons. Are they space demons, though? I mean, the hive. I don't think they're demons. They're, they're demonic. Think they're chitinous bugs. <laughs> but um, it, it was it was kind of weird, but cool. Because, uh, like, I, I jumped in a party with him and he fangirled a little bit. And uh, it, we, we connected because I, I was like, I felt exactly the same way when I jumped into a party with, you know, green eyed music lover and blue crew 86. So like I knew exactly how he felt. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. My focus fire chat people shout out to them. They don't listen to this podcast, but I miss them very much. I talk to blue all the time. I miss them too. I don't talk to them all that. I'll tell them hi for you. Yeah. And then, uh, shout out to Hyven and Mrs. Hyven. 
got to talk to them a little bit uh, this past week, and they're, they're it was good hearing from them. <gasps> Hello, Ivans. Didn't realize how much I missed them until then. So yeah, those are my shout outs. Yay! Uh, this is the part of the episode we like to give special thanks. The audio for this episode was produced by Rindal Zivas. You can find him on Twitter at Rindal Zivas. The artwork for this episode is- No, you can't. We're actually firing Rindal. Why the fuck? Do you want to know why? Why the fuck would we do that? Because he's never played a Bethesda game before. I saw something about that. I I thought- He's never played Skyrim- He's never played Oblivion. He's never played Fallout. He's never played any of them. And I'm like, Rindle, until you play one of them, I can't be your friend anymore. Oh, I call that a bold-faced lie. I know. I call bullshit. I know. But, like, how is he supposed to appreciate the fan that you get in, like, Starfield, which is the same? I don't know, man. I just I never realized that me not playing a Bethesda title was that big a deal. I mean, I just I was always aware of stuff like, you know, Morrowind and Skyrim, but just never got around to playing it for one reason or another. Yeah, I'm playing Starfield now, I guess. PC, But like, goddamn all of you who've like are like, I've never played a Bethesda game before. I'm like, Why? There are 298 versions of Skyrim. You have no excuse. It's been out for like 12 years. <laughs> Go play Skyrim. Wait, Jesus! only Christ. 298? I know. There's so few choices. I can I can play it on my smart fridge, okay? <laughs> like, you can play Skyrim on your Alexa. Literally, you can ask her to boot up Skyrim. I'm not even kidding. I'm trying to say it quietly because I don't want her to boot up Skyrim because she can hear me. I mean... Because she's in the same room as me. Yeah. Hey, Alexa, boot Skyrim. Literally, you can ask Alexa to boot up Skyrim and you can play Skyrim on your Alexa, like with a voice commands. It's wild. Not kidding, by the way. Sorry, keep going. I guess we won't fire Rindle, but I'm still peeved that he's not played any of those games. And he's just like, I just haven't. I'm like, Rindle, disappointed. Uh, all that means is he gets to f- appreciate a new one. Uh, Rindle. It, it, like I said, it just means he gets to appreciate Darfield. Rindle. <laughs> um. But yeah, so the artwork for this episode is courtesy of Volshock B on Twitter. That's at Volshock B. The music in this episode is copyright Bungie. We're able to use it under their fair use policy because they love their content creators. If you'd like to dive into Destiny lore on your own, visit ishtar-collective.net. They are the resource we use to make our show notes. Thank you, Baxter. Thank you, Baxter. I bet you Baxter's played Skyrim. Oh, undoubtedly. Uh, and yeah, he's down with the clown. And final reminders. You can find us on Twitter at Guardians underscore lore, at Hey It's Orchid, or at I underscore am underscore Elemist. You can email us at Guardians underscore lore at Outlook.com. You can leave us a review wherever you find the podcast. Uh, you could also jump into our Discord. The invite is in the episode description, but if you want to type it out, it's discord.gg slash lorehub. Uh, we're also on Instagram and threads 
at Guardians of Lore, all one word. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore. Every little bit helps, and we greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Say goodnight, Orchid. Good night, Orchid. Take care. Otters. They're still see you know, Otter 841 is still stealing surfboards. I know we talked about that a month ago. Still out there. Has not been arrested yet. <laughs> Otter 841 is still on the lamb. I looked it up. They have not caught her yet. Otter 841. <laughs> still on the loose. Yep. Lucy Goosey. Let's go. <laughs> still stealing surfboards. Okay, good night. Take care. <laughs> Bye. It's like I made a really nice cake and then I decided to like stick my handprint in it. And now I'm trying to like fill it up with like a caulking gun, like meant for my bathroom because like I have to fill it in because shit, I put my hand in it and now I have to ice over it. But the cake now looks fine. Shouldn't eat it, though. Well, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want a cake full of cock. Oh, this.